Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell. And this is Jonah Treeblosser. Welcome back to another edition of Radio Rotary, made possible by Rotary District 7210. Each week, we chat with your neighbors about great things happening in your community and around the world. And today, we'll be chatting about eating disorders among teens, in particular, anorexia nervosa. And our guest is a fellow Rotarian, and um, she's going to be talking to us about some very intimate personal family uh, concerns that she had with her child. So we're going to say just welcome, Jane. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity to be here. Well, thank you for sharing uh, what happened in your family with our listeners and, and being a help to others who may have this kind of problem at home. So what is anorexia nervosa? Anorexia nervosa is an eating disorder, and eating disorders are a series of um, serious conditions in which you're preoccupied with food and weight, and um, you can often focus on little else but that. Uh, The main types of eating disorders are anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, and binge eating disorder. Um, these disorders cause very, very serious physical problems, and uh, when they're the most severe, they can actually be life-threatening. Uh, most of the people who get eating disorders are females, but uh, there are males who also have eating disorders. An exception is this binge eating disorder, which appears to affect as many males as females. All right, let's 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 talk about how you personally got interested in this. Tell us what happened at home. Okay, um, let me just tell you, if I could, uh, the history of my daughter. Mm-hmm. My oldest daughter uh, was a very interesting child. She didn't like dolls. She liked bugs and insects and science. She was the type of child who every teacher would tell me was very intelligent and a delight to have in class, always well-behaved. Um, she was, however, overweight as a child, and... Uh, Having dealt with weight problems in my own family, I tried not to harp on it. We focused on eating healthy. We focused on uh, feeling full. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I did say to her, at some point, if it bothers you, we can go to the doctor and see what we can do. So at 10, she was starting to get ridiculed by some of the other children. And she came to me, and we went to the doctor. At that point, she went on a very well-balanced, structured Uh, diet plan and in true form she lost about 50 pounds in about nine months five zero five zero okay so she was considerably overweight Um, and as intelligent a child as she was there were also some bumps in the road for example at age two all of a sudden she started to stutter Uh, also she had to have her hair uh, braided exactly in the same space in the back of her head every morning And uh, she also wore her clothes inside out. And she did that for about three years. It was almost to the point of being excessive. Uh, She would, for example, take her sock and stretch it out over her toes and under her foot and then jam it into her shoes. Now, she was my first child, and I thought, well, she's just a little different. She marches to her own drummer. Uh, What I didn't realize is that these were signs of uh, a obsessive compulsive disorders. I was going to say, it sounds a little compulsive. Yes. And what I didn't know about that is that they come and then they go. Uh But what's important about that in terms of our story is that 40% of anorexic nervosa uh, patients have 
OCD. Compuls- yeah, see, I never knew of that personalities. link. Yeah. Is that right? Exactly. I never knew of that and link. The way I'm going no to, way. To, to define it, it's yeah. like they're clustered, similar to learning disabilities uh-huh. where you have ADHD and mm-hmm. dyslexia. You might have two or three things happening at once. Mm-hmm. So there's a tremendous amount of research that is left to be done, and I'm happy to say is currently starting mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. trying to determine the biological aspect So did of you feel disease. that that was like a clue now that you look back on there, or it was a flag? Yes. In fact, the um, what we ended up doing, I can tell you a little bit more about how we got to this point, but we ended mm-hmm. up going out to San Diego for a special intensive uh, training period for our family to learn how to help our daughter uh, come o- overcome the eating disorder. And the doctor that we uh, met out there is named Dr. Walter Kay, and he's a leading researcher in eating disorders. And he's doing a study with 11 universities around the world, and they're looking at traits that might predetermine that these young women would have problems with eating disorders, mm-hmm. in particular anorexia. One is that they have this need for perfection. The second is they either have a problem with weight or an obsession with weight. And the third is that they might be a little different, a little socially awkward. So uh, the plan is, I think, that they're going to look to find what kind of a biological connection there is uh, and what makes this happen. Let's mm-hmm. go back for a moment to your daughter's story, Jane. Um, at 10, she's overweight. She loses 50 pounds by following the doctor's diet. When did you notice that she was going to the other end of the spectrum and being, you know, quite frankly, too thin? I'm not talking like my old Jewish grandmother saying, you look too thin, eat, 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 fressen, Kenda, fressen. You know, <laughs> and everybody's got a mother, Irish, Italian, whatever they say, mm-hmm. eat, eat, eat. eat yep. But when did it become a, a serious concern? Well, what happened was she changed schools at 12. And... Um, At the end of that year, we thought we had done just the best thing in the world. She won five out of seven academic awards. Uh, She was going into the eighth grade. She had been accepted at Phillips Exeter for ninth grade. She had received a grant for Hotchkiss to go to Hotchkiss for ninth grade. And things seemed to be okay. And then about six months later, we realized that she was her behavior around food was a little unusual and she seemed to be uh, exercising quite a bit now when you say around unusual around food can you be more specific yes I, it, it's almost as though she was very careful about the food she was choosing and that in doing that she was starting to eat less and smaller and smaller portions and there were certain foods that she started to omit from her diet and such I, as such as uh, anything that might have a visible fat, anything that might have a high fat content, uh, carbs. She became scared of carbs. But now, also, when I would talk to her and I would ask her if she had eaten, she would say, "Oh yes, I did eat. Oh yes, no, don't worry about it. I'm not eating a lot for dinner now, but I had a big lunch." Um, what I, I, my child had never lied to me, and yeah. uh, she was. This, this is an addictive behavior, and like an addictive behavior, they will hide to, uh, to enable the, the addiction to continue. Well, mm-hmm. did you notice her like sort of wasting away, getting real thin? I mean, did yeah. you notice anything that concerned I, you with a mother as a mother? Yes, I, I did notice that, but she was it was a slow thing, and the way my daughter is built, she didn't look so 
very very emaciated she's she's tiny she's about five two and because of her build she didn't look i mean she looked thin but she didn't look like oh my goodness like a skeleton Mm -hmm. exactly Mm -hmm. exactly so and you said she was exercising she was and we were not aware of this but you know it was so strange because i would be lying in bed this was when we were aware that something was going on and we didn't know how to help her but i i just had this sense at night i would wake up and i would think i feel like she's awake and and exercising in her bedroom and that's basically what she did she would get up in the middle of the night or in the morning and do 300 crunches because the other the other thing about this the other side of this is besides the the limiting eating or eating in strange ways there's usually some sort of a purging activity and often it can be exercising so in other words she would maybe eat a meal but then she would feel like she would have to exercise for two hours to burn it off. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and once again, the the excessive exercising is OCD like. So mm-hmm. you can see where things sort of came together you here. Know, of course, you know, doctors will tell you watch what you eat, watch your weight, get some exercise, especially old guys like me. And at some point, though, it crosses the line. Exactly. And, and is, is it is that a bright line? Is it easy to see the where that fence is, or is it sort of a gray area? It's it's sort of a gray area. And you know what, Jonah, I I sort of feel it's kind of like alcoholism in mm-hmm. that there are people who will drink and will become alcoholics, and there are people who will be dr- drinkers and they will never become alcoholics. There are people who will diet and will never become anorexic, and there are people who will diet who will become anorexic. And I think that's the whole biological connection. You know, we're going to find out more about this in just a minute, but. First, let me remind our listeners that they're in tune with Radio Rotary on Hudson Valley Talk Radio and around the world by podcast on iTunes and at www.radiorotary.org. Also in British Columbia, Western Canada, where A.J. Caleb, president of the R.C. Surrey Rotary Club in District 5050, is one of our loyal listeners. My name is Jonah Trebois, and my co-host is the lovely Sarah O'Connell, and we're discussing eating disorders with Rotarian Jane. Tell, Tell us, Sarah, who brings us Radio Rotary this week? Well, this week, Jonah. Radio Rotary is brought to us by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Arlington, Poughkeepsie, Brewster, Cairo, Congress Valley Cottage, Fishkill, Goshen, Highland, Hyde Park, Kingston, and Kingston Sunrise. And we'll be back with more Radio Rotary after these important messages. Alone, our reach is limited. No matter how great our intentions, on our own, we can only stretch so far. But at Rotary, We believe the right group of people working together can make our communities, our world, a better place. Rotary is a worldwide network of community volunteers dedicated to helping people in need. Learn more at rotary.org. Rotary. Humanity in motion. For information about Rotary in the Hudson Valley, visit www.rotarydistrict7210.org. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel. CPAPC is a full-service accounting, tax, and business consulting firm. JGS specializes in business succession planning, including ownership transition, management transition, as well as family and non-family transitions. The JGS staff works alongside you to solve the problems of your specific business or personal situation. JGS is conveniently located on Route 211 in Middletown, New York. To learn more, please contact JGS at 845-692-9500 or visit them on the web at www.jgspc.com. Juddelson, Giordano, and Siegel. 
your essential partner in business. It's RibFest time. The Highland Rotary invites you to their 7th annual Hudson Valley RibFest at the Ulster County Fairgrounds on Saturday and Sunday, August 20th and 21st, starting at 11 a.m. Enjoy live entertainment, delicious award-winning barbecue, and cooking demonstrations. Fun for all ages. All this for just $5, and that includes parking and entertainment. Save the date. Hudson Valley RibFest, August 20th and 21st. For more information, contact www.hudsonvalleyribfest.org. That's www.hudsonvalleyribfest.org. Hudson Valley Talk Radio. Hi, this is Sarah O'Connell, and welcome back to this edition of Radio Rotary. I'm joined by my co-host, Jonah Trebowasser, and today Jonah and I are chatting with a friend and a fellow Rotarian who will be known as, as, Jane, as Jane for um, out of respect for her family. Um, Jane is here talking to us about eating disorders among teens, in particular anorexia nervosa, and her personal story of her daughter uh, as, a, as a young uh, teen, um, preteen, young teen, d- um, developing this um, Disease basically, and her family's journey of of living through it and dealing with it, and getting to a point where there was a cure or um, a treatment available, and she has stepped up to share this very um, personal um, story with our listening audience. Also, to give us information if if people are concerned about or have somebody in their family of where you can go and what you can do right, to so, seek the right type of support right. and help. So get a pencil and paper because we're going to be giving you some websites to write down. And just a to recap information. what we talked about in the first uh, half of the show in case people are joining us late, your daughter had a weight problem in that she was kind of heavy set all her life all right yes. she she lost 50 pounds she 50 did. under a doctor's treatment which is a great success but then she didn't stop she kept losing and, and kept doing this behavior which uh, eventually you know really concerned you as a mother so tell us at what point did you seek treatment well we um were going to the doctor because her school was calling and she was feeling a little dizzy when she was playing sports and you know, she she we had the suspicion that maybe something was going on, but the doctor wasn't sure. We went to a nutritionist, and she said she was eating, and she clearly knew the right way to eat. We kind of danced around the situation, and I think part of that was we were in denial. Uh, but then what happened in a very short period of time of, say, two or three months, she suddenly uh, became obviously very ill. She was starting to not be able to eat. She was, her behavior was erratic. And when you think about it, if you're not eating, you're starving your brain and that affects your behavior. And uh, we clearly knew we needed to do something. And then there was a very precipitous drop in her weight. At that point, uh, the doctor recommended she be admitted to the hospital, which she was. She was placed in the pediatric ward because she was only 13. And at night, the, uh, the alarm for her heart kept going off, which wow. was a baby monitor, because her pulse kept dropping below 30. So she was very ill. Uh, because she was that ill, she was immediately put into an inpatient facility in Philadelphia called Renfrew, Renfrew excuse me, which is a wonderful place. Uh, she went there. She restored some weight. And because of insurance, they have to come home. She came home. We had a very difficult time finding uh, the appropriate care locally. 
So is that um, the place that she went in Philadelphia, you yes. said? Is that, um, do they specialize in eating disorders? I mean, at this point, had you identified oh, it yes. as an eating disorder? Yes. yes. It this, was, did that happen when she was in the hospital, when her heart dropped? I would say rate, probably or? two weeks before, two to three weeks before that. Once again, this happened so quickly. It was uh-huh. so scary. But at that point, we were starting to look at this Renfrew Center to send her. When she became when she went down within two to three weeks she became so much iller Uh, it it just happened so quickly it expedited her her entry there now had she been in counseling prior to that uh, yes we had tried some counseling we had tried some nutrition work but there was you know she was not getting any better in Mm -hmm. fact she was getting worse so it Mm -hmm. was it was scary her uh her demeanor her color everything changed and clearly she was on the path to to disaster. To disaster. Well, how did this affect your? You have two children. Right? I do. How did that affect your other child? Well, it was hard because my other daughter was ten when this all started, and basically for five years we went through this cycle of trying to figure out how to get her well. Mm-hmm. And so we, it, there was additional pressure on my husband and I as parents, I think, because we tried to make our ten-year-old's life as normal as possible. What but it really, does affect the whole family. It does I mean, the disease the is the whole family involved yeah. clearly oh and you know the behavior is weird i don't know how else to explain uh-huh, it uh-huh. and it's such a very natural thing to take food and put it into your mouth and to not to be able to do that is just it's, a very strange it's just thing. against human nature yes. and uh, one thing in the last segment that um i learned that uh, you made us aware of jane was that often with eating disorders there's uh, obsessive compulsive other types of disorders like obsessive compulsive is coupled with it. Yes. And sometimes depression, very often depression, and I think my daughter at that point was was going through depression mm-hmm. as well. And no, you I'm, say mood swings and whatnot. I'm sorry. Jenna. No, it's all right. This is like girl talk right now. But um, Well, yeah, well <laughs> you know, that's okay. Mood swings and things. I mean, many of us who have raised teenage daughters, would, uh, well, you know, that's a teenage girl for you. I'm right? not going to admit that because my daughter listens to the podcast. We have our broadcast you know. intern, Christine Barbro, with us. And Christine, you never did that. Of course not. No, she never had mood swings. <laughs> but, you know, no, I mean, mood swings are a little erratic behavior or sometimes a little fresh exactly. talk. It can be inappropriate. You don't love me. It's very you, appropriate. Yeah. yeah and you, you don't just, understand that's me. That's age appropriate. Yeah. The yeah. things you would think. So it, it has to be a very complicated situation to put your finger on. It but, absolutely was. Yeah, I want to explore one issue here. Yes. Uh, you mentioned in the first half of the show that it's it's mostly girls that undergo this, yes. mostly young ladies. And it happened around, started around 12, 13, which is, of course, the time that girls start to develop, puberty. Did, did, did the doctors tell you that somehow that's related? You know what? I have read that that is, that is a factor. Trigger. You know, to me, it seems like it, it, it gets triggered by many things. It can uh-huh. be the onset of hormones. Like in my daughter's case, she changed mm-hmm. schools. Uh, lots of times it happens to young women their first year of college or the first breakup they have with a serious boyfriend. There's something that seems to trigger it. But what the doctor in San Diego taught us was that, generally speaking, there's a biological predisposition to this and what will happen is something will trigger it to make it happen and it's just a matter of time when like, it will happen like uh, other addictive exactly. diseases exactly correct well, yeah. so you mentioned this uh, doctor in san diego oh, yeah. and a facility in san diego oh, yeah. and i don't i that think saved we were, our li- her that, life and, but and this is a little maybe a little fast forward so you have her back from philadelphia and then how did you end up in in san diego well you know um, she came back from philadelphia and because 
because of insurance, the insurance companies basically have them leave as soon as they restore weight. So she came home. We looked to find support. She did outpatient treatment. She went to some local doctors, local psychiatrists and psychologists. And it just people, I don't know if they weren't educated on eating disorders or whether my daughter was just so resistant to treatment, but nothing was working. So she continued to have behavior. We had pulled her out of school. We put her in another school. We were trying to accommodate her as best we could. And things were not things were not getting better. At one point, my husband came in contact with a Dr. Walter Kay through his work at IBM. And Dr. Kay um, had told my husband that he was thinking of starting a, a program in US at US UCSD, uh, a five-day intensive program to bring the family in to teach us something called the Maudsley approach to eating disorders. Now, the Maudsley approach is a family-based therapy, and it was developed at the Maudsley Hospital in England. What they found is if they took control of the eating away from the patients and they took care of refeeding the patients that they could make them well enough so that they could undergo therapy and then get help. Now, the way this works is, for example, if my daughter wanted to do such and such, I would have to say to her, if you want to do that, you must sit there and eat that apple. So I didn't physically force her to to eat, but you find the key motivation that you can use as a bargaining chip so it, to get a, her to it's eat. It's a strategy. It's and a strategy. Interesting. The first thing you said about that place was they brought the family in. Yes. It's it's an entire it's whole family, family immersion. Yes. And I'll, five days. I, so you all, you we have very limited time left. So I just want to get as much in there as possible. Can you tell our listening audience how to get in touch with that? Absolutely. If group? you um, if you go on to the web, if you go into Google and you Google uh, UC. SD Eating Disorders Clinic. Also, there are websites you should look at. There's a Maudsley Parents website, as well as one called Something Fishy. The very best book, the book that was the most help to us, and, and when you go through this, you read everything on the internet, you read all the books that are out there, people will tell you about books, but the book that really struck the chord with me was a book called Help Your Teenager Beat an Eating Disorder. It's by James Locke and Daniel LaGrange. And in that book, I realized that I could have seen earlier the symptoms of her eating disorder. And the sooner you jump on an eating disorder and try to work with it, the the higher the chance that you and will overcome just it. Just what we were talking about, how do you separate age-appropriate behavior from something that could be a red flag for, for a much bigger issue? Exactly. And this book, this book helps you see that. And it gives you strategies. And it explains eating disorders in a very sensible way. And Rotarian this Jane? This has been fascinating. How is your daughter doing today? Oh, I'm very happy happy to say she is going to be graduating from college next spring. She has a boyfriend. She lost five years to the disorder, yeah. so it's she's sort of developmentally dis, dis, uh, delayed a little bit, right. but she's really, she's she's here, she's happy, she's healthy, and we are so thankful. And well, you're very brave to share that's this right. with us, Jane. Thank you so much. Thanks thank so much you. for joining us thank on Radio Rotary. And Christine Barbro, tell us, who do we have to thank for bringing us Radio Rotary this week? Well, Jonah, Radio Rotary is sponsored by Rotary International, Rotary District 7210, and the Rotary Clubs of Millbrook, Newburg, New Paltz, New, New Windsor, Cornwall, North Rockland, Pleasant Valley, Port Jervis, Red Hook, Rhinebeck, Southern Old 
Alistair. For Christine Barbro, Sarah O'Connell, and Betty Renner, our producer, Jay Verzi, our engineer, this is Jonah Trebowasa. Thanking you for tuning in and inviting you to join us again next Friday morning at 9 for another edition of Radio Rotary, exclusively right here on Hudson Valley Talk Radio. What would you do if a friend, co-worker, or a loved one collapsed? Calling 911 alone will not be enough. Over 1,000 people a day die from sudden cardiac arrest. Many can be saved with early intervention. HealthSave offers CPR courses on a daily basis at our facility in Rockland County. We'll come to your home or business if you prefer. Call us toll-free at 877-277-6233. That's 877-277-6233. Or visit our website at healthsave.com. That's H-E-A-L-T-H-S-A-V.com. Leave the E off of save for emergencies. CPR training is for everyone. Learn CPR. Become a lifesaver.